0: Welcome back into the David Glenn Show. Hour number three of the program. Some great guests, great discussion thus far today. Thanks to Darren Gantt for stopping by in our first hour talking all things NFL. We got into the uh, Vikings win over the Redskins last night, a little bit about what the Panthers have in front of them. Their four o'clock kick Sunday out in San Francisco. Always good to have Darren on the program. JJ Cooper uh, just got off the line with us uh, a little bit ago talking uh, from Baseball America about uh, minor league baseball in North Carolina and the ramifications of this new potential collective uh, bargaining deal, player development deal with major league baseball and what that could mean from a facility standpoint, from a number of teams, number of leagues, and and how that plays into a state that has 11 minor league franchises that are affiliated with major league clubs and and one other uh, in High Point uh, being a member of the Atlantic League. So some really in-depth discussion. You can catch that uh, interview online uh, uh, Darren and the crew will post up all the links on Twitter a little bit after the program and uh, and really kind of hear his insight about how that industry may change here in, in our state, a state that has, of course, been known uh, for a long, long time to be a minor league baseball haven. So some interesting uh, conversation there. We talked early in the program about the Charlotte Hornets. They got the regular season underway. Uh, they and their opponent tonight, the Minnesota Timberwolves, both one-point winners in their openers. So something's got to give at Spectrum Center. Tonight at 7 o'clock as uh, the Charlotte Hornets uh, go up against Minnesota before heading out on a pretty big West Coast swing next week. Uh, We bring in from the front office of the Charlotte Hornets, uh, a longtime member of the, our friend of the program, certainly a good buddy of mine from back in the day, Buzz Peterson joining us, assistant GM of the Charlotte Hornets. Coach, great to have you here on the David Glenn Show.
1: DJ, good to hear your voice. Good evening. It's been a long time.
0: I know it has been. It has been. Well, let's talk about your your franchise here. Nice start the other night to get a, a win on the home floor to start the season, but but came with a little bit of tempered enthusiasm, certainly with the injury to Nick Batum. What can you say about uh, where he is in the process and what that means ultimately for uh, replacing those minutes uh, for the coaching staff?
1: Well, it was it was, a, it was a big win for us. I mean, we got down ten with about five and a half play, and uh, Coach Borrego inserted uh, Devontae Graham, and, and you know, it, it's, we we'd noticed he'd had a good summer. We had observed him and everything, and he's been playing extremely well. And, you know, he played a lot in Greensboro last year for the Swarm, and he gained a lot of confidence from that. So that really paid off. He gets in the game, and I felt like every play on offense, he either assisted on it or he made a shot in the last five and a half minutes. So that was big uh, for somebody like that to come in step up and help us get the win. Nick uh, had a fracture on his finger. I think it's the third finger, I believe. Uh, it's kind of been day-to-day a little, a little bit. Uh, so I'm expecting him. It's, it'll be some time before we get him back. Hopefully not too long. It's, it's a non-shooting hand, though, which is a good thing.
0: Buzz Peterson from the Charlotte Hornets joining us here on the David Glenn Show as we talk a bit about the Hornets getting off to a good start to uh, to begin the NBA season. They've got Minnesota uh, in Charlotte tonight. Um, w- one of the, I think, reverberating themes out of the, the first game for you, Coach, is P.J. Washington's debut. I'm, I'm sure you couldn't have drawn it up much better. Record-setting performance, franchise records, NBA records. But but you look at a player that that a few weeks ago was still being talked about as maybe being one of those I-85 shuffle guys. Going back and, yeah. and forth between Charlotte and Greensboro, what resonated the most with the front office about watching him through the through the back half of the exhibition season and certainly in the uh, in the opener about the the kind of impact he can have for this franchise this year?
1: Well, we, you know we lo- we looked at him. Uh, you know, Larry Jordan heads up our scouting department, and everything, and, and Mitch Kupchak, our GM, we we watched him throughout the year. When it came time to draft, I mean, he was. Looking right at us, and we saw a lot of intriguing things from PJ and, and at Kentucky. The improvement he made from his freshman to his sophomore, year, especially his shot. And then he was hurt, so we didn't see much out of summer. And we, you know, we wanted to just gradually, you know, get him into things. And uh, he just kind of walked his way in there. And after the first uh, exhibition game, he uh, you know didn't start, and that you know and had a good game. Of, you know, step got in there against Boston, hit some shots, and he just kept on improving, improving, and and what he did the other night was uh, pretty remarkable. I oh, hit no shots, uh, the threes he did. So, like I told him about games, the people are going to play a little bit different now. So you better be ready and adjust your ball game. But it, it, was, it was very good to see a young rookie like that come in and have a big game, first one.
0: Yeah, kind of a, a follow-up to that, and I, and I read some other comments uh, similar to that about the adjustment that will come there. Is it, in some cases beneficial for a rookie to have to, to head in the film room with that thought in mind so early in the season versus being somebody that maybe casually jumps on the radar. He, he splashed on the radar in a big way the other night. So so from a development standpoint, I'm sure that's probably a good thing to go ahead and, and get in the pipeline, so to speak, uh, for, for a player to know that they've got to make those adjustments. They've got to to find ways to to become okay. unique each and every night.
1: Yeah, the thing you got to remember, I mean, this kid's 21 years old. And, you know, Miles Bridges is 21. Malik Monk is 21. So, I mean, these guys are like juniors in college, you know. And But P.J. is a little bit – he's matured in a little bit of, in a way, a sense. You can just tell being around him. Uh, both parents played. Both parents coached. And so he's been around the game a lot. That's where he picks up things pretty quick. Uh, I mean, when Coach says something, you don't have to really tell him one time. Like, he's heard it. Or he's been through it before on the court. So that's for a coaching staff that's real refreshing for them that uh, that he has those smarts out there. Buzz
0: Peterson from the Charlotte Hornets front office joining us here on the David Glenn Show. Here today uh, coming off of a one-point win over the Bulls, uh, Chicago was able to find some ways to score around the rim now you get Carl Anthony Towns coming off 36-14 and 14 the other night against the Nets uh, from Minnesota's perspective. As you're looking here in the next couple of weeks, what improvement points do you feel like the front office, the coaching staff are, are looking for in terms of interior defense and guarding around the rim?
1: No, it's, Like you said, it's, it's a problem. I and mean, We didn't do too well last year. Bismack, Biambo is one guy to protect the rim for us a little bit. So. But it all starts with the, uh, the, your pressure on the basketball, being able to defend the ball, your, I call it guard your yard. Uh, from your left foot to your right foot, and so people don't blow by you. Uh, that would that would help out a lot. But uh, you know, you can't. Some of those also come with on offense rebounds. I believe Chicago had 20 offensive boards on us, but then you can't you can't allow that. So uh, we got to do a much better job. And I know the coach staff have made as an emphasis of practice last day or so to make sure we do a good improvement on that because Towns is he's one of the better ones in the league, and uh, you got to be careful uh to make sure don't give him any extra extra shots in there but the thing he did that's damaging is he can also step out and hit the 3.
0: You know you were talking about the youth of of this Charlotte roster this year and and certainly having so many guys that that are just really starting their NBA careers. Uh, you of course played for North Carolina and and coached uh at, at a variety of stops uh, both in the state and and throughout college basketball circles and one of the players that you coached against uh, I guess the Iron Man of the NBA now, and Vince Carter, who just stepped out on the floor for his 22nd season. Uh, you wow. think about just the player development there and, and how player development has changed in those 22 years about how pl- guys are taking care of their bodies, what's available to them from the franchise, how they're, they're using personal coaches, what have you. Do you feel like that Vince Carter... In 22 years is going to be more of the norm as we continue to move through this this period of time where players can take better care of themselves, or are young players like you've got on your roster now, understanding that they've got maybe a 10 12 year window and they're just going to try to maximize that and forget about the Ironman stuff.
1: Yeah, I think Vince is a rarity. I mean, to have played that long. I mean, I don't know if genetics plays into it, whatever, but I mean, that to play 22 years in this league and that's amazing. The, because of the travel, uh, you know the, all the stuff you have to do and it's just but now with everything we've got from sports scientists to look at all the data about how much you've, you're running, how much the speed you know, how much you've been on your feet, all this stuff so they, they can scale down things. The, but playing 82 games in a season with five exhibitions or six whatever, it, it gets hard once you play these games for practice because there's not many days where you're going to have a couple of days off. Or you may have one day in between, sometimes every once in a while, two. And so what's more important, rest or get out on the court and do some things? So now we've done a lot of studies. People are trying to figure out, hey, maybe it's better to rest, watch tape, watch film, and then let's let's get in the weight room, let's do things, increase the stretching or whatever we can do there to help prevent injury. I, mean, I know here at the Hornets we've gone from uh, – two persons, uh, the training room area now to like seven or eight now. Wow. So we be, what we're trying to do now, instead of when an injury comes, we, we work on it. Now we're trying to prevent the injury from happening. So we've hired a sports scientist, gives us all the, the notes and everything, tells us how much people are running during that day, uh, how much more they think they can go before you put the red flag up on them. So we've come a long way in technology to figure out, the, these athletes, I know coaching back in Boone those days. I didn't worry about that. You just went out there and you worked your <laughs> tail off. You worked hard, and then uh, hopefully it came down the game time. Your hard work and everything, your condition paid off to beat your opponent.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think because you had to count steps in the snow uphill as two instead of just (laughs) one, so I'm I'm sure that would have skewed things. Buzz Peterson joining us from the Charlotte Hornets front office, talking a a bit about the Hornets and their start to the season, but also basketball in general. Coach, one of the other areas where we've seen evolution quite a bit from your playing days, we'll take that back to to North Carolina back in the 80s, and and what we see now, you know, we've heard so much about image and likeness in the college game. Now, you've been around – Various sizes of schools and you've seen players that could probably take advantage of that kind of thing and being able to capitalize off their image and some that might not have yet you've also been in an NBA locker room where you see those things play out amongst professional athletes and and I'm sure that there are in both situations you can understand more than most the ramifications regarding team chemistry as it centers around those type things, whether it's an NBA player that gets a, a big endorsement deal, or if it's the potential for a college player, say the, the number one on the roster and the number seven on the roster to have some sort of disparity. Um, How do you see the NBA locker room handle the open market like that from a chemistry standpoint? And what do you think could blend into the college game if that were available to college athletes at some point?
1: Well. I think what you're getting at a little bit. I mean, how, how the there's such a number one. There's such an age difference in some of these locker rooms. I mean, you could take a Vince Carter was Vince, forty-something, probably whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever he is in t9 You got an 18-year-old, so you've got a lot. You got a big age difference in 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 some of these locker rooms. Um, you know, now with this two-way deal uh, that you can have for down to to, to to send guys to the G League. So technically, we have 17 on our roster. Counting the two-way guys, so that speeds it up some. And then, and then you go down to college. The hard part of it. I was just talking to a coach, uh, college coach, a while ago uh, on the phone, and he had two of his better players leave last year. He's at a mid major, and now he's got like six freshmen. And he was thinking, you know, I could be win, I could win my league, come close to win my league this year. But now I've had to change the whole mindset how I'm coaching, what I'm doing, and teaching because i got six new freshmen out here. And so it's, it's almost hard to – I look at some of these colleges, how you build team chemistry. How do you build – I mean, it's just hard because guys are leaving and they're transferring. And a lot of people are going to three different schools now. And I don't know if that was the intent of the rule where they would go to three different places. And so it just makes it tougher for these colleges, the coaches especially. And then I know they can leave, they can go different places, all that stuff. But it's got to be a happy medium somewhere – and, I'm, I'm, and, and hopefully in this next collective bargain agreement that, uh, that some will be in there, maybe that it would be two years removed from, uh, from your high school days. And, or if you want to go right away, you can, but you need to go two years to college.
0: What do you feel like, if, if image and likeness was available in, in 1985 or 6, what is Buzz Peterson worth on the open market during your days at Carolina? Like, What kind of endorsement as a college player could you have netted back then?
1: Oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know, Dave. I mean,
0: <laughs> Little Pigs Barbecue, maybe? Maybe?
1: Yeah, that's about it. I wouldn't, wouldn't be much. I know. I, I, you know, it's – uh, I, I, like I tell some people, I said, you better pick the right roommate to go to school. You better be smart, whoever you pick. I mean, it may be fun to play basketball, get to the degree. But you better pick one. So you, you know, after things are over, with you, you have a job and all that stuff. So, yeah, that, I've that's been right. blessed there. But, it, but anyway, it's uh, – yeah, it's, the way – the game has changed so much. It's just, I mean, we've been in uh, – as the, the three ball has changed. How now it's interesting how colleges move their line back. The men's side has going back a little bit more. Uh, you know what, what's next? I mean, you know the G League this year will on, on a foul even if it's a two or a three point shot, it's still uh, it's only going to count as one free throw. And if it's a two point, point, if it's a two shot foul, you hit one free throw counts as two. If the three pointer that you shot and your foul it's going to count as three except in the last two minutes. So who knows where we're going?
0: Well, I'm going to bring a slide rule to my next swarm game for sure to, to keep up with that. <laughs> Final question for uh, for Buzz Peterson uh, from the Charlotte Hornets front office. Appreciate I- his time today. Big West Coast swing coming up for the Hornets after, after tonight's game, certainly with the Timberwolves. If you looked up a month from now and, and got together the front office folks with the coaching staff, what's the best case for progression with the look and feel of this team based, again, on the youth and, and, and some of the new elements that you're trying to blend into this. What does what the best case we, Charlotte Hornets team look like a month from now? Yeah,
1: Dave, you, you want to see the guys improve. And and like I said earlier in our conversation, Devontae Graham is a prime example. I mean, I, I think he spent maybe 16 to 19 games in Greensboro last year. Spent a lot of his time because Kimball Walker and, uh, and Tony Parker were playing for the Hornets. So instead of him sitting on our bench here and, and just looking and watching, we thought it was better for him to play. Now he's made a step. Now he's like the number two point guard now uh, backing up uh, Terry Rozier. And now like, the other game, we saw some nice results where he stepped in, hit some big free throws. Let's just say he didn't get that experience last year from what he got in, in the, in, down in Greensboro. Would he have done that? We don't know, but that's why that development piece is in there. So what, what I'm getting to is, you know, who's going to step up next level? Why can we see guys improve? Yeah, you won't win games, but apart with, like I said, all these guys are so young, we want to see these guys improve. You know, they got to have some short-term memory. I mean, it's going to be some nights; it won't be that easy for them. They got to forget about, it, move on, stay positive, and look to improve.
0: Well, Coach, always appreciate your insights. Uh, I, I know that, that you, uh, with two daughters married and, and Rob at High Point, you and Jane are empty nesters now, right? I mean, how's that transition? Yeah, but
1: we stay, we stay busy. We stay busy. I mean, <laughs> I, it's. Uh, a busy time, I have got my Hornets schedule, I've got my Swarm schedule, and I'm getting the High Point Panther schedule. So, uh, I, I'm, those three teams, I'm, I'm and plus trying to scout the top tier players in the country and go overseas also a couple times a year to scout. So you're you're busy. I mean, a lot of times I sit there and stand up to the national anthem, and I'm I may be in California one night, next night maybe in New York or North Carolina. You're all over the place, but uh, you're watching a lot of basketball, and that's, that's what I love. I love doing it.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. Always great to talk to you. You're one of the best. hope to see you in the App State Hall of Fame one of these days, too.
1: Uh, Coach, take care. Sounds great. All Uh, right, buddy.
0: Take care. That's uh, Buzz Peterson joining us again from the Charlotte Hornets front office. Um, uh, Interesting talk about the development aspect of that, too, and just like, you know, as we were kind of talking about with minor league baseball, in a way, a little while ago, and how teams – in Major League Baseball, want to try to figure out a way to regionalize minor leagues to utilize it more. The NBA has that somewhat figured out with the G League and being able, especially in a case like we see here in North Carolina, take a guy an hour and 20 minutes up I-85 and say you're going to go hang out in Greensboro for a few games and then you're going to come back and forth and back and forth and see the development. And I think the development that, that Buzz Peterson just laid out with how Devontae Graham has improved his game and improved his spot on the roster is certainly a prime example of that working out well. Interesting insight there from Buzz Peterson. Always great to catch up with him. Take a timeout, come back with more of your free-for-all Friday phone calls. Say that five times fast. 800-849-2761, the number to call. Back with more uh, here this afternoon. David Jackson in for DG on the David Glenn Show.
2: Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. I love David Cutcliffe. He's a really good man, and he's a guy who really
1: cares about the game of football. And he does it right. He doesn't break rules. He brings in good kids. He
2: coaches them well. I did see on Twitter the other day that he was calling Coach Roy Williams and I out for a dance contest, (laughs) dancing for the stars. I may leave that to him, Roy. I don't think I'm in their league.
0: That's Mac Brown on the David Glenn Show earlier this week talking about his good friend David Cutcliffe. Those two uh, longtime coaches will square off Saturday, and you can get some DG flavor there as well because the David Glenn Show big tailgate tour driven by Continental Tire, will be parked in Chapel Hill for homecoming as the Tar Heels host the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, One of the best games, uh, certainly in the state. It might be the best game in the state this week, but uh, certainly one that's got some coastal implications as well, and we'll get into that discussion as we kind of close down our number three of the David Glenn Show. 800-849-2761 the number to be a part of free for all Friday. Still have some time for some of your phone calls. Let's get to van. Who's on the line, been holding during the break in chapel Hill van. What do you have for us here on free for all Friday on the David Glenn show?
1: Hey, how's it going? Um, so yeah, you were just talking about a pretty famous state rivalry, but I know there's a lot of people out there who don't know about another almost equally as intense rivalry in app state, Georgia Southern. And <laughs> they play exactly a week from yesterday. Uh,
2: so I just want to know if you could indulge me and perhaps enlighten uh, the uh, the rest of the listeners and talk about the history of the
1: uh, App state versus Southern rivalry, what you know about it, your experience, and uh, why it's such a good rivalry to, for people to pay attention to.
0: <laughs> well, Van, thanks for the call, and thanks for dropping one in the wheelhouse there. Um, yeah, so uh, App State, Georgia Southern will play a Halloween game up in Boone. You talk about a, a great situation uh, for uh, putting college football on a, a grand stage. I believe it's an ESPN 2, 8 o'clock kickoff on uh, Halloween night. Uh, uh, Georgia Southern coming to Boone. Uh, they'll get, a, a, a from what it sounds like from a weather perspective, they'll get some good old fashion late fall early winter mountain weather flare to welcome them from south georgia to uh, to the northwest north carolina mountains so we're, we're excited about georgia southern coming to town from a rivalry perspective i would say that that and and alums of the the two schools would probably echo this that you know to put it in context we were just talking about duke and north carolina from from the fever pitch that is the duke north carolina basketball rivalry app state georgia southern football for those two schools is right on par uh, there is no love lost. There have been some incredible games, memorable finishes. You can take this all the way back to the Ice Bowl days back in 1987. I, I have the privilege uh, through my role at the Boone Area Chamber of Commerce of working with Rochel Laney, who is a longtime athletic director at Appalachian State but is the executive director of the Boone Area Sports Commission now. And uh, as we're talking about different sports events that we're trying to bring to the Boone area, we occasionally get into these historical conversations. We started talking about the 1987 Ice Bowl that was the first time Georgia Southern came to Kid Brewer Stadium to play App State. Georgia Southern was not a member of the Southern Conference at that point in time. App State was, it was their second playoff appearance uh, under Sparky Woods, uh, who uh, App State saw as a, a member of uh, Matt Brown's coaching staff in North Carolina not long ago. But uh, there was a big snowstorm the Friday night before. They scraped all the snow off the field, but all of the the residue left behind, the you know kind of slush, if you will, froze, and it was solid ice. Name that's synonymous with success in, in college football circles. Irk Russell was the head coach at Georgia Southern then, and Irk decided that, you know, is not going to be a factor. He's going to come out there and set the tone for his Georgia Southern Eagles, and he rolled out there in a short sleeve shirt and some coaching shorts, if you remember what coaching shorts were like back in the day, and he froze his tail off. Within two quarters, he had a jacket on, he had pants on, he had the whole nine yards, and App State shut out Georgia Southern and started the rivalry then. That was the first 1AA playoff game Georgia Southern ever lost. So there was a, a, a burr in the side, if you will, a bit. Flash forward to their days in the Southern Conference's rivals. They were traditionally top five in the country, battling each other for conference championships. Each has taken the upper hand uh, uh, pretty regularly. Now joining the Sun Belt and making the FBS transition, it was actually Georgia Southern that laid claim to a Sun Belt championship first. Uh, and, and they did so by, by really kind of mortgaging their future on junior college talent coming in and, and being part of a quicker start to that league, whereas Appalachian under Scott Satterfield who's now at Louisville and kind of doing the same thing, trying to build his program on the backs of high school talent and say, we're going to we're going to build a machine longer. So uh, they, they've made the transition to the Sun Belt together, both of one one. Uh, championships there. Now App State has the upper hand with the national ranking uh, and and certainly the opportunity to play the not-so-gracious host uh, uh, next Thursday night. But it is, you know, for Van to answer your question, from a rivalry perspective for the, the people that went to those schools, the people that go to those schools, it's, it's Duke-North Carolina basketball just in the fall with football around it. And certainly that will be a big day for Boone, a big opportunity to have a College Football Center stage up in the mountains of North Carolina coming up here in uh, just a little bit less than a week. App State, 21st in the country, one of two ranked teams that call the state of North Carolina home. Of course, Wake Forest off this week, but App State will be down at South Alabama. They've got to get past the Jaguars first. That game's seen at noon. On Saturday and I believe at 345 on Saturday also on ESPNU you will see East Carolina play and uh, in the breaking news category East Carolina uh, just dropped a little bit of schedule news you're familiar with the Friday afternoon news dump this is not that this is actually pretty pretty impressive East Carolina and Michigan announced just moments ago that they have agreed on a football meeting in 2023 it'll be the season opener at Michigan Stadium, September second, twenty twenty three, uh, the uh, joint announcement made that East Carolina will travel to Michigan and take on the maize and blue in one of college football's iconic venues against one of college football's iconic teams. That's a pretty fun place to be uh, one day late on the anniversary of a pretty special game that uh, that many of us were a part of up there back in uh, two thousand seven. But uh, but still. Awesome to see that East Carolina is going to be able to take uh, a program that that may be on the upswing under Mike Houston and certainly trying to get back to their championship pedigree. They'll get a, a chance to go and play against one of the best teams that's ever done it. So that news just coming out just a few moments ago. Before we go to break, we also have another uh, element, not maybe necessarily breaking news, just developing news that developed a little bit more. Ron Rivera in his press conference before the, uh, the Panthers hopped the plane and head to San Francisco announced that Cam Newton is out for the week but will travel to San Francisco. So what that can tell you from a health standpoint is they are okay with him being on the sidelines. They're okay with him making you know the, the, the long flight across uh, to San Francisco and being with his team. I think that's another step forward in, in infusing him back into the roster, getting him around the, the meeting rooms, getting him around Kyle Allen a little bit more, getting him back on the headset on the sideline, those, those types of things. But he will not play in the game. Though Cam Newton traveling to San Francisco, he, maybe he's got a favorite restaurant out there. I'm not sure. Of, of course, the Panthers have spent a lot of time out there. You'll remember they had a, a week in between games a couple of years ago where they, they actually stayed in San Jose in the same hotel that they were in for the Super Bowl in 2015. They they uh, took kind of a, a, a gap week, if you will, and hung out on the West Coast. Cam Newton was a part of that. He's going to get another trip to the city by the bay uh, as uh, his Panthers prepare for the 49ers this week. So uh, we've got all kinds of things flying in our direction here on a Friday afternoon. We want more of your phone calls flying in our direction after the break. Free for all Friday continues, 800 2761 The number to call to be a part of the program. Back with more after this here on The David Glenn Show.
2: Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after, uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It
1: was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well,
0: we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing.
2: Stay with us on the David Glenn Show the Cameron crazy started chanting my name.
1: (laughs) So I go over there and I'm dressed really nice for that one. This is my first Duke North Carolina basketball game, sport coat. I think maybe even had a tie on and I get up in there and all that body paint it ruined my clothes. That was my last trip into the student section. I can tell you that.
0: David Cutcliffe talking about... His first trip into the the Cameron Crazies got body paint on it. I mean, is that uh, I don't know, man. That's one of those badges of honor, I would think. Darren, it is. If you got a chance to jump into the Crazies as an elevated member of the sports society at a given institution,
2: I mean, I, I got to think that you you jump in head first. Right? No, if they start doing the chance, you know, if if there ever was a time. When you know it would be Darren Vaughn, sit with us. You have to, right?
0: Right, right. I, I would think so. Um, what? Uh, let's ask this question. What necessitates that chant? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, in my case, I don't yes, know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm it's just pretty far fetched in my case. If David Cutcliffe sit with us, you can imagine. Right. But
0: I was there uh, one night. They uh, Adam Jones got that treatment. Um, uh, was playing for the Orioles at the time. It's kind of an interesting story. He came in with Dick Vitale. Uh, Vital was doing the game. I think it was Duke, Florida State, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was uh, during spring training, it's kind of to the end of the regular season. So apparently, Vital is at the Orioles um, uh, game the day before, and Adam Jones is playing in the game. And and you know, because Dick Vital is Dick Vital, he talks to everybody. And and Vital is talking to Adam Jones, and and he's asking him. Uh, Jones says to him, "You know, where where are you going next?" And he's like, "Oh, I've got I've got Duke, Florida State, you know, tomorrow night." He's like. I'm off tomorrow. Can I go with you? So Adam Jones goes in and gets his early work done. You know, in, in spring training, a lot of times, you know, star players, they get their their work done and they're, and they're off for the game so they don't have to be around. So Jones hops in the plane, flies up to Cameron with um, – with uh, uh, Vital and ends up going to the game. It was interesting because I was up with a, a buddy of mine, David Hass uh, in in Hickory. Used to be funny thing, minor league baseball conversation earlier. He was at one point time the general manager of the Hickory Crawdads. <laughs> he and I go to to visit the Duke baseball program where Chris Pollard, who had been at Appalachian State, has has turned Duke's baseball program into an ACC powerhouse. Now we always go and watch a uh, a practice and then go over to Cameron for a game. So we're sitting in in this Duke baseball practice. And all of a sudden, Adam Jones walks in. Like, <laughs> what is he doing here? You know, why is why is this guy here? So, now, the timing of all of this, this was World Baseball Classic. The, the last year of the World Baseball Classic when they had those things. And Adam Jones was on. He
2: was a hero on yeah, that team.
0: Yeah, so, so he's getting ready. And this was pre-spring training before the players broke. It was right before... The the guys that were on those teams left Major League Spring Training and went to be with their their particular country's team and, and play in the Classic. So we're sitting here thinking, okay, so the USA baseball training complex is down the road. Maybe they're training here, and that's why he's here. We're trying to make all of these things like line up. <laughs> nope. Turns as out why Adam v. Jones is just chilling <laughs> in Durham at, at the Duke baseball practice, and and yeah. So so then it started to come out that uh, uh, believe uh, Duke's baseball assistant coach Josh Jordan was the one that broke the news to us. He said you know, we're like, why, why why is he here? Why is he here? It's like, oh well, he just came up for with, with Dickie V for the game. Like. Because that happens. You know, you just get on a plane and you fly up with Dickie V to a game. But uh, but nonetheless, he got the camera crazies chant, and he was in the student section for a while. And, man, they, they had the camera focused on him for, for quite a while. But uh, kind of an interesting thing to see. I don't know whether Dick Vitale has ever gotten body paint on him jumping into the Cameron crazy, Most
2: certainly, right? He's crowd-surfed among (laughs) the the Cameron Crazies.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's a student section that he would not crowd-surf with, Um, (laughs) but uh, but, uh, nonetheless, interesting to hear uh, Coach Cutcliffe's perspective on the DG show earlier this week uh, talking about uh, crowd-surfing and body paint and all the things that will bring out the best of both teams uh, as Duke and North Carolina get ready to play this weekend. It's North Carolina's homecoming. The game's in Chapel Hill. It's a four o'clock start. The Big tailgate tour will be there for this event. Uh, Darren, can you tell us exactly where you guys are going to yeah, be?
2: Yeah, as we always are in our stops to Chapel Hill, we'll be at the University United Methodist Church out in front of it. It's where the colorful doors are set up now, gotcha. right across from Sutton's on Franklin Street.
0: Okay, great location. How do you oh, negotiate yeah. that?
2: I mean, you know, we have our ways.
0: You have your power, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> DG
0: had some place down, you know, down. Yeah, the DG, street. DG, and, and, like
2: he makes things easy on me when I'm negotiating things. Like he carries enough weight, you know. Hi, <laughs> I'm with the David Glenn Show. That most of the time, you know, mitigates usually anything enough. from being a it. disaster.
0: I get it. I like it. Well, it's good to see the uh, the DG will be back, of course, out today, and uh, Darren explained some of that earlier. Uh, but um, DG show will will be representing in full. Crew form tomorrow uh, again. Kickoff at four o'clock uh, at Keenan Stadium. So uh, come out and uh, and experience the full big tailgate tour driven by Continental Tire. Uh, you can beat D.G. in the uh, in the the ball toss. I'm sure. I don't know whether you want him to throw for you or not. Uh, if you can. Wrestle your way in there and, and maybe step to the front of the line. Maybe you can uh, perform for yourself. Uh, we talked about DG's athletic exploits <laughs> kind of on the downside maybe uh, as, as he's ending his career as a, a professional football tosser. Uh, but uh, but that's just one of the many things that you can enjoy if you go and uh, check out the crew and uh, the setup for the Big Tailgate Tour tomorrow at Keenan Stadium. Aside from that, the game itself. Ought to be uh, awfully exciting too. You've got two teams. We were talking about this earlier. You've got two teams that are are bucking for bowl position, uh, and they are probably counting on this as a necessary win to that stage for both of them. Duke, obviously, a little bit more in the uh, in the catbird seat, having four wins already, so this gets them one step away from bowl eligibility, uh, and and continuing David Cutcliffe's run of making that a normal sentence with Duke. Uh, when you're talking football, of Duke football and bowl games. That was not always the case, and he has certainly made that the norm. From North Carolina's perspective, a win over a team that's got a little bit of established cred within the league would be another feather in the cap of Mac Brown and what has been a, a transformative year for North Carolina. To have the big win over South Carolina, certainly they've had some ebbs and flows, as you would expect them to do in a transitional season. But to grab a win over Duke, for homecoming, I mean, I don't think Mac Brown could draw it up much better. And then get the Tar Heels two wins away from bowl eligibility, a spot where, quite honestly, I'm not saying this just because I went to the school, after Appalachian State, after uh, the, the Mountaineers came in and beat North Carolina, they're on the, uh, uh, on the field at Keenan. I don't think too many people were thinking necessarily bowl time then it was like, oh, wait, what kind of season are we going to have here? Things aren't maybe necessarily sitting where they were at the beginning of the season with the win over South Carolina and following that up in Miami and so on and so on. Um, that was Wake and App State back-to-back. Now North Carolina, maybe maybe with a win over Duke, can we get right back in that conversation. Interested on the line in this game, too. It's a, a, a UNC with a three-point advantage over under a 53-and-a-half, so... Talking about kind of a, a medium scoring game, but but North Carolina getting the benefit of the home field advantage here. I think it's going to be an excellent ball game, and uh, certainly one that is perfect for the big tailgate tour to uh, bring its ambiance to uh, to one of the state's uh, best plays in the college football world here in this uh, this week of regular season play. We're going to take a timeout. We've still got time to squeeze in a few more of your phone calls before we get out of here today. 800-849-2761 the number to call. You can talk about your school's lot in the college football world this weekend. We can talk some Panthers still. Hornets, we mentioned, got underway. Canes off tonight. They're back at it tomorrow with the Blackhawks uh, coming off a tough overtime loss. They got a point, but they still took the loss. That's three in a row for the Canes after such a hot start. Plenty of opportunities to get uh, your thoughts in on your favorite sports topic of choice and you can do so after the break 800-849-2761 david jackson in for dg today on the david glenn show rob schneider joining us on the david glenn show when they try to have three days of the nfl
1: draft on tv my friend said hey you gonna watch the nfl draft that's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months it's gonna be some breasts in there
2: you're listening to the david glenn show
0: Welcome back into the David Glenn Show, wrapping up this free-for-all Friday jam-packed show today, too. Lots of uh, good content, good guests. Darren Vance from ProFootballTalk.com, talking his uh, his Cam Newton injury timeline, and then we found out a little bit after Darren was uh, was on the program that Cam will indeed be traveling with the Panthers, though he will not play in this weekend's uh, game against San Francisco. The will not play part, not a huge surprise. He's, he's still been just working out with trainers the last few days. Uh, but um, uh, looking at the travel element of it, that suggests that he's moving along in the in the protocol that the Carolina Panthers and their uh, medical team have set out for him. So we'll see how that uh, storyline continues to develop. We talked with J.J. Cooper of Baseball America about this uh, uh, developing story between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball working out their um, a business relationship and how that might have some impact to the 11 affiliated minor league franchises here in North Carolina, uh, but also just on the business element of it as well and what it means for minor league baseball players as well. I think that was an interesting part of JJ's discussion. If you are a fan of minor league baseball in the state and you have been to games and you see uh, these guys come day in, day out, that grind, and JJ shared some of the, the financial information there of of what those guys are are looking at in their bank accounts or or in some cases in most cases not looking at in their bank accounts very limited money for for folks that are not on a forty-man roster or, or maybe aren't bonus babies as they're called that they, you know you're you're getting uh... you know just a few thousand dollars to spread out over several months and and that is an an issue within minor league baseball that has been debated and talked about even uh, as far as Congress goes on on a national scale. So uh, this plan for minor league baseball and major major league baseball to potentially eliminate some teams and eliminate some leagues and reshuffle uh, teams within classifications or within different player development arenas may indeed make the game better. But what it is also doing is saying that that we are letting go, or could potentially let go, some of the very character that that makes the minor league what it makes the minor leagues what they are. And that can be historic stadiums. That can be uh, that that um, that interactive element. That is uh, something as simple as players having to walk through the stands to get back to the clubhouse. Right? They're not going to a palace back there. That clubhouse is dank. It's it's gross. But, but they still make their way through the stands, and it's the kids getting autographs and, and, and just that ambiance that minor league baseball affords itself that major league baseball does not. And, and if facility upgrades are part of that, well, a lot of those facilities aren't designed with that in mind. Players are escaping through the through the dugout, through the tunnel, back to the locker room, and that, that element of connection is not there. Um, but is that worth the the discussion to say well that we've got to keep this we can't pay them more we can't give them better work conditions no that's obviously not the case so there's going to be a lot debated about this cool thing is is that jj cooper right here in the state of north carolina working for baseball america has been the lead on this story and i'm i'm sure dg and the crew will keep up with that as it gets a little closer the the thing that was interesting to hear in jj's conversation today was is that teams may not know they may not know at the end of next season when the when the current uh, collective bargaining agreement runs out between the two. They may not know if they will have an affiliated team uh, sending players to their franchise the following April. That's a tight time frame for a business that has prided itself and, and based itself off of longevity. Uh, just think about the business ramifications of that, let alone the fan ramifications for that. Uh, and and again, there are 11 communities in our state that minor league baseball is part of the lifeblood of their economy and and their tourism draw and their and their community draw. So it is definitely something worth uh, worth kind of hanging on to and, and looking at. Uh, kind of going back into the college football realm here, we talked about homecoming, Duke Carolina, that game being played in Chapel Hill. Uh, DG and the crew, big tailgate tour will be there. Four uh, o'clock kickoff. Uh, it should be a lot of fun in Chapel Hill. There's also another homecoming game going on at Dowdy Ficklin this week. As East Carolina takes on South Florida, we were talking about that game. Uh, you actually get a chance to see two North Carolina-based teams on ESPNU back-to-back. 21st-ranked App State playing South Alabama at noon. The game that follows that is ECU and USF. And an interesting game for for the Pirates as they continue to uh, kind of slide up the uh, the ranks of of uh, success again under Mike Houston is that you you know you play this game and then they've got uh, Cincinnati SMU back to back and then follow that up with UConn and Tulsa if this USF game can go down right, if you could figure out a way to be the upset special and knock off uh, either Cincinnati or SMU, two teams that are chasing uh, an opportunity to maybe go to the Cotton Bowl uh, along with App State, now all of a sudden East Carolina is right there in a bowl eligibility conversation again and maybe playing two of the worst teams in the AAC at just the right time. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that all plays itself out over the course of uh, of, of the next several weeks. There are a lot of... Bowl implications for teams within the state. Certainly, Wake Forest has played themselves into the potential to be in a, a marquee ACC bowl. App State, certainly, amongst that um, group of five conversation for the Cotton Bowl and uh, and maybe bigger and better things there. East Carolina coming back into that. Duke, North Carolina. I mean, everybody uh, within the state from the FBS perspective, I believe, uh, with maybe the exception of Charlotte, uh, really has that as a goal to, to chase at this point in time. So it'll be fun to see how that works out. Darren? Man, I always appreciate the opportunity to work with you. Um, You know, I hate that DG had to miss today, but uh – uh, this has been fun, and uh, uh, definitely want to give credit to the intern crew down there and you for a for a job well done today, man. You you always make it easy.
2: Likewise, man. Always uh, always a pleasure to work with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, uh, glad to know the feeling is mutual. Also, special thanks to Desmond, to DJ, to Josh here at the Sports Hub. Couldn't uh, do this Kernersville thing without them. So uh, special thanks to them as well, uh, making everything tip top and uh, ship shape here. Uh, always fun to uh, to be a part of the crew here at the Sports Hub. So. That wraps up a busy week. Uh, again, special thanks to our guest, Darren Gant of ProFootballTalk.com, J.J. Cooper of Baseball America, and Buzz Peterson, former head coach uh, that I got to work with at App State, also in the front office now with the Charlotte Hornets. Excellent insight as the Hornets get ready for their second game of the season against the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. That does it for another week, another installment of the David Glenn Show. Talk to you next week.